Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Back here on the Nightcap, Dave Ross alongside Sean King. One of us went undefeated at Tulane and played quarterback. I'll let you figure out which one. Sean, it is a pleasure to have. The one and only Matt Hayes staying up late on the East Coast to join us out here in Las Vegas on the horn. You got to follow Matt, of course, as I do at Matt Hayes, CFB. Matt, great to have you with us. Uh, look, we wild day of action here. We, we saw Sparty just come back, get that win. We're watching Arizona State right now, down 7 nothing. Before we get into the big two tomorrow that we're going to pick your brain about, what's been the biggest surprise that you've seen so far in the bowl season? Uh, I love how the Alliance refs got to Tennessee today. That's kind of the biggest surprise of the day so far. <laughs> you didn't agree I mean, with that call. That call? Yeah. That call? I mean, you could be you could be a non-Tennessee fan, a Tennessee fan. You watch that call. That's terrible. I mean, that was literally terrible. And that's uh, that's that you cannot have a game like. I mean, you can because they did. But man, it, it's it's bad that a game ends like that, especially an overtime game that was going back and forth like that. That was one of the funnest games I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. And it, to have it end like that on a call like that is just it's too bad. Just too bad. And see, I look at it completely different because I expect the refs to be bad. Like, I there's no part of me as a player, coach now, back on television. Do I go into a game thinking that you're not going to have to overcome the refs? And I've said on my Twitter before, I think. To be a referee, you have to at least have played football at the college level. I really think that should become a prerequisite because unless you've actually played, Matt, some of the things that happen, you just won't really understand, you know, because they are taking over the bowl season. I mean, I can't tell you how many these games where you're getting 11, 12, 13 flags. Like, it's ridiculous. Have you seen that? You agree with that or no? Yeah, well, here's my problem, John, is is for years now we've had instant replay. This is what instant replay is for. Oh. Clearly, the, the the whistle was not blown until after the ball crossed the goal line. This is what it's for. I don't, I don't understand. Players don't stop because the official thinks he's going to call it dead or he's calling it dead in his head, and then he blows the whistle. They stop when the whistle's blown. That was a touchdown. There's no other way to look at it. So, I mean, they, they can say all they want that the official, the official called it dead, then he ruled his whistle. What The players aren't listening to that. 
You're it, a player. You know this. You play until the whistle, period. Man, it burns me up. And I, I can see it. This little 58-year-old guy is waddling in from the sideline, waving his hands <laughs> over his head. And, and, and he, Let's well, not get into age discrimination. Here, I'm people. not getting into age discrimination. <laughs> These are facts. <laughs> I mean, and, and the thing that burns me up is the majority of time, unless you've played, and I keep going back to this, and listen, I believe anybody can do anything they put their mind to, but a former player would never in that situation blow that play dead ahead of time because he's been there. So he knows how hard you have to work to get to that point. And you just would never do it. Like, if as a ref, I would always err on the side mm. of caution. And, Matt, the, the, the discussion was, because you saw him have it with Josh Heupel, is he said forward progress was stopped. But to your point, you heard the whistle after the ball and clearly crossed the goal line, and then you heard the whistle. So could both things be right? Could one official have seen No, no, okay. no, they both can't be right. No. Absolutely not. The whistle calls, then the play is dead. That's it. End That's of it. Right, yep. and it now like, so it can't be official on the sideline saying, "Okay, his, his four priors have stopped. Now I'm going to blow the whistle two seconds later." No, and, and, he blew it immediately as soon as it stopped. And once he makes the the wrong call, now now it's a battle about pride. Mm. You know, I was like, "Okay, but I cannot admit I on national TV I'm wrong." And like they get in the huddle, like I probably was wrong, but but don't make me look bad. Oh boy, and they do. <laughs> there is a shield among officials too. Right. They like even when they over, they look at it on replay, but then still come up with the wrong call. Which I thought, Matt, that's why you have replay to correct obvious yeah. calls. And, and Matt, Matt, what about the this? They had called a thousand pass interference calls against the Tennessee defensive backs. Right. Tennessee Seven. has the ball, Seven. and he has a handful of jersey. And, I mean, it's obviously pulling the jersey, and no flag comes out. Seven and one game against Tennessee. <laughs> Seven interference calls. So, believe me, if, if you know, I was kind of joking about the Alliance thing, but Seven pass interference calls in one game, and then and then the you know the officials don't make that. You know, it goes up to the booth, but it's also the collaborative thing. So it's also the ACC in Charlotte that's mm-hmm. dealing with those guys in the booth. So everybody's making the decision there. So whoever was in Charlotte or Greensboro, wherever they are, saw that, heard the whistle, saw the saw the ball go across the goal line before the whistle, and thought, yeah, yeah, he was stopped. I mean, you gotta be kidding me, seriously. And it's a really awful way to end a great college football game like we saw there, Matt. We expect to see two great ones tomorrow, okay? And, look, I'm getting nervous here, and, and Sean and I talked a little bit about it because we loved Michigan three weeks ago when the number was 8.5. It's mm-hmm. come down 7.5 here. Circa, you've seen some sevens even out there, Matt. Are we on the wrong side of this? Is this the time that Harbaugh gets exposed and Big Bad Georgia becomes Big Bad Georgia again? Yeah, I'm getting really nervous about both these games. I, I got a feeling both these are going to be blowouts. I, I hate to say it that way because I because I would really like to see Michigan play well in this game, but I I just have a feeling that Georgia's going to play its best game of the year because they got embarrassed in that game in the SEC championship game. And again, I'm still a guy who says they're not winning at all with Stetson Bennett. I don't think they can, uh, but I think they can beat Michigan with Stetson Bennett. And I think more importantly, you know what Michigan does is Michigan runs the ball. What Georgia does best is Georgia stops the run. Alabama beat Georgia because they had the best player in the field because they had the best player in college football because they had a guy who can make unbelievable throws and unbelievable plays as he's breaking contain, as he's running, throwing accurately. That's why Alabama won that game. Michigan doesn't have that at quarterback. Michigan has a running game. If Michigan can't run the ball, they're dead in the water. Mm. And that's what I look at that game. I think, man, Georgia's going to stop them, and then you're, gonna, you're, you're relying on Cade McNamara to win you a game? Forget it, man. It's just not going to happen. And, and 
Alabama-Cincinnati is a mismatch from the get, just from the get. And it's unfortunate because once that happens, then it's going to be, see, this is why the group of five never doesn't deserve to be in the playoff, and everybody will start harping on that. And it's just it's, it's a really good Alabama team against a Cincinnati team that's just not going to be able to match up with them. Matt Hayes from 1010XL in Jacksonville. You can catch him Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. Let me ask you this question, Matt. And it re- surrounds one of the quarterbacks in this game. And I personally don't think the seven and a half will play any factor in this game. Either Michigan's going to win outright or Georgia's going to win by two touchdowns or more. Mm. I don't think there's a middle ground. The interesting thing for me is this is the first time all year Stetson Bennett, in my opinion, feels like he has something to prove. He's kind of just been floating along. JT Daniels got injured. He came in. They were giving up. No points on defense. They were rolling people. No tight games. I think Kentucky was 14-7 Georgia at the half. Other than that, nothing was competitive. Then all of a sudden, they get in the SEC championship game. And Bama's got the lead. And just slightly, he gets exposed. Now, in the press conferences, you people are asking, how are you handling the criticism? How are you dealing with this adversity? Right. And you hear him kind of starting right. to lash out. What kind of performance do we get from Stetson Bennett in this unique situation? I mean, I'm with you on that completely. I think, I think the entire Georgia team, and I think, I think Stetson will play well. I do. Uh, well enough for them to win the game, I should say. Um, and and, I, and I, I keep hearing people say, well, Stetson didn't lose that game. The defense did. It, you know, and they're right. But guess what? He didn't win the game either. And you being a former quarterback, you know that. That at, at some point in big games, best quarterback wins. you got to make plays. And he didn't make plays in that game. I think they're going to play their best game of the year tomorrow. I think they really play well against Michigan. And, and if, like you said, you, you think either Michigan's going to win by a touchdown or Georgia's going to win by two. Um, Michigan's going to need like four turnovers to win that game. It, could it happen? Sure, it could happen. But I just, I just think Georgia's going to be very, very set, set and motivated to show, look, that wasn't us in the SEC championship game, and they won another bite at the apple against Alabama in, in the national championship game. So I think they're going to play really well tomorrow. And I think part of that, of course, I agree with you, will be Stetson Bennett. Matt, I wonder, you know, it seems like an obvious answer, which I'm going to ask here out of the four coaches here in the national semifinal, who's under the most pressure. But is it Jim Harbaugh or is it Nick Saban? Like, this is a, like if Nick Saban somehow lost this game to Cincinnati, wouldn't people be going, what was that? Like, you should have lost the Iron Bowl to Auburn. You didn't, right? And then you do get the nice win against Georgia. But he can't lose that game to Cincinnati, can he? Well, first off, let me say, and I, knew, I didn't even say this initially, the field in Vegas. Wow. That looks sharp, boys. <laughs> That's Come a on out, sweet, Matt. sweet field, man. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I, you can't say that about Nick. He's won six national titles, man. How do, you, how do you criticize anything? If they lose, you just chalk it up to a massive upset. Maybe the greatest upset in college football history. They're not, they're not losing that game, man. They're just not. They're, the lines of scrimmage, and Sean could be very easy to tell you this, the, that's where that game's going to be won. They're not going to be able to block Alabama. Who's blocking Will Anderson on that team? Come on, seriously. They're not going to be able to block Alabama, and they're not going to be able to get to, to Bryce Young. And even if they can get to Bryce Young, Georgia got to Bryce Young somewhat in that championship game. And look what he did to him. So it's, yeah, I, I just, I don't see it happening. I mean, if it does, Dave, it will be a story that we will all talk about forever, but I don't think Nick would be criticized for it, no. By the way, breaking news. 
It's up to 14. Oh, yeah, We got is. a 14 out here, Matt. We it, finally hit one of Jeff's. It is. Matt, we Dave, got a bottle. I mean, first off, it's, it's death taxes in Alabama covering. Seriously, and it's only 14? <laughs> Just oh 14. Hey, hey, Matt, we got about a minute left. Listen, first of all, the most pressure is obviously on Kirby Smart. He's the one that has not gotten to this yeah. level Ooh, and won it. No uh, question. Secondly, I believe this is a fourth quarter game, and a lot of it revolves around last year's bowl game. Cincinnati proved they belonged at this level in that game versus Georgia. Do you think they have enough? Because I think it gets to the four. Can Desmond Ritter make the plays to pull the upset? I don't. You know what? I, I part of me does believe somewhat, and I know this is just—I hate to even say this—but part of me does believe that I don't know how motivated Georgia was last year. I don't know if they, they even really cared, to be honest. Um, and that kind of played into it. But I, I just—I I think if Cincy plays really well, Sean, and they get a couple turnovers. And, and Bryce Young struggles. And look, that happened against Auburn. It clearly happened against Auburn. And, you know, and, and since he can get after people on defense, kind of like Auburn did. So if Auburn, if Alabama screws up a little bit and they kind of struggle in the past game, sure it could. I just, I don't see, I, to me, it's a line of scrimmage game. And, and the lines of scrimmage in Alabama are just so much more stronger. Got to run, Matt. You are the best. Thanks to Matt Hayes. Coming back right here, it's the Night Game on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. a play card, debit, MasterCard, and get paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com today to apply. Subject to card activation and ID verification. Terms and costs apply. Card issued by MetaBank and a member FDIC. This is the nightcap here on Decent Dave Ross alongside the quarterback, Sean King. Sean, it's it's like it was great having Matt Hayes on the last segment, but we do always love to get your, your quarterback view mm-hmm. of things. And right now, Wisconsin is up 7-3, still in the first quarter. Graham Mertz settling in as they're knocking on the door for more points, and I think they just got him. 13-3 PAT pending. What are you seeing from Mertz? Because it looks like right now, well, when they run the ball, he's got all kinds of time on play action. He is. He's playing with a lot of confidence. You can tell he's a guy that's a lot more mature. 
and secure in who he is. You know, I think one of the difficult things for high school athletes when they come into college with all the accolades, they try and live up to them mm -hmm. instead of just slowly developing and doing the right things the right way all the time. So now you can see much more quieter from a lower body standpoint than earlier in the year. Looks like he's understanding his progressions. He's probably going to turn into a good player for them. The one thing they've been able to do at Wisconsin is get high-level quarterback play at the college level. Not all the guys have been NFL-caliber guys, but they generally have a rock-solid lineage of quarterbacks. So I think he'll be another one in that group. This is getting ugly quickly here for Forks Up and Herm Edwards. 14-3, to minute 30 to go here in the Las Vegas Bowl. Obviously out here at Allegiant Stadium where our own Tim Murray is doing sideline. As far in-game props, yep. do we have any idea if there's an in-game rushing total for Arizona State quarterback Jaden Daniels? Oh, boy. There was one pre-flop, but I don't believe they'll have one in-game. Okay, because he's definitely going over that number. I'm not sure what it is, and I don't think Arizona State has any chance to – Stay within 20-something, but he will rush for over 100 yards. Because that's all they've got. Yep. they got his legs, and that's it. And right now, it's, they're getting beat up up front here. So, again, in-game wagers, you got to lay the big number right now with Wisconsin. We'll update those numbers now that that score has changed when they come across here. But, again. And, listen, I need all of your energy tonight. Puck Stradamus is sweating out what do you got? a Calgary Flames puck line. Okay. And it's 2-2. I figured the Kraken would compete for about a period and a half, but they're playing the second of a back-to-back -back against a fresh Flames team that's trying to right the ship. So I need the Calgary Flames to win by two goals. I need all of your energy okay. pulling in that direction. Let's go while... Flames. So, uh, there we go. Again, Puckstradamus, for those that don't know, you're like a big puck oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're really good at that. Absolutely. I already hit a big ticket today. I had the Panthers on the puck line. They put up nine goals. The Lightning was playing with an AHL goalie. Both of their top two guys were out with COVID. But again, I'm a big Lightning fan, so I follow the team closely. I know they're a very public team. And the line was, I think, Tampa plus 115. I think Florida was minus 120. And I took the Panthers on the puck line. You, Florida's a really good team, especially on offense. Do you put these plays out on Twitter or just... So sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Or like a little text for your boy here and there. I absolutely will text you now. I appreciate that. Well, I, Ginger, the Ginger Genius is always mad at me. I think I sent it to Aaron. Did I send it? To, I think I sent it to Aaron. You don't send it to Tim? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. He went to Hawaii and didn't bring me and Aaron anything back. So I kind of had him on punishment. He brought you a Puckstradamus thing no, from Mickey. No, he brought Little Sean a Puckstradamus hat. That's the I only saw person that. in the King. That was fantastic. King, I thought it was nice. The only person in the King family that could fit that hat was Junior. There, That's wasn't, it. Yeah, it wasn't possibly going on my head. It don't fit. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about the uh, semifinals starting tomorrow, and let's go to Alabama and Cincinnati here, and let's look at some prop scenarios there because, again, you like Jaden Daniels and you like them uh, pre-flop. He's going to be running for his life. I wonder about Bryce Young through the air tomorrow because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a big number, 313 and a hook. Now, I know Matt Hayes, who we just had on, really believes that this is kind of going to be one-way traffic in Alabama all the time. If it is Alabama all the time and it's not competitive, would you be more apt to take the under? That says he wouldn't need to throw for 313 and a half. You, you try to follow some game scripts when you look at these numbers here in prop scenarios. Uh, no, I would take the over on this number. Here's why I was trying to pull it up. I don't know what the heck is wrong with my iPad tonight, but I continue to push it and nothing happens. So, because I was trying to pull up the exact numbers, but if I'm not mistaken, in Michigan's win over Ohio State, C.J. Stroud threw for over 400 yards. Yep. So the way that... Michigan plays defense. They can give up a lot of yardage. They have a bend but don't break. 
mentality in the secondary. So I don't think that's a high total. I could very see, easily see Bryce Young surpassing 313 and a half passing mm. yards, and Michigan still, I mean, uh, Cincinnati still winning the game. So wow. I, I just think that can happen, and I was talking Michigan, but I meant Cincinnati. No, no, I was picking up yeah. what you're putting down. Yeah, so again, so the game script does not necessarily mean that it has to be, okay, it's close fourth quarter, so Bryce Young's got to throw, right? Right. Because I'm thinking if it's a blowout, maybe they run the ball, run clock, kind of eat it up, and they don't put it on. But they might have put them on them at that point already to get over the 313. And I could very easily see Cincy, Alabama in the high 20s, low 30s by both teams. Okay. Like, I don't think either team is capable of completely shutting the other out if both quarterbacks play at a high level. All right. Let's, we know, obviously, they've got issues at the receiving core for Alabama. But as long as they got Jameson Williams, they and, got a game breaker. And, and they don't have any issues. Don't forget Jameson Williams and Mechie and all these guys. You know, last year we heard Devontae. But no Mechie. I know. But we heard Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. We know these guys were. Right. The year before that, we didn't know who Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle were. We were talking Henry Ruggs and, you know, Jared Judy. So, I mean, so their history see, says that they have guys. So, would you then bang the prop for the over on Jameson at 92 and a half, but then maybe get a little bit deeper in the weeds with a Slade Bolden it, with Mechie out and go, okay, if maybe they try to take away Jameson Williams as best they can, maybe go to the number two option? Yeah, I could see that happening. Um I'm not really confident in who is playing where at receiver for Alabama. I know they've been moving some things around. Mm -hmm. I've heard the name Ajaye Hall mentioned. He's a a kid from Tampa, Armwood, really, really highly rated guy who they're going to try and and there's going to be a slew of guys that are going to replace Mechie and and the things that he did. So it it might come down to matchups. You know, very interesting is what is Luke Fickle going to do with Ahmad Gardner? Is he going to follow Jamison around? Ahmad Gardner normally is the boundary corner. I mean, he plays to the short side of the field, and then Bryant plays to the wide side of the field. So it'll be interesting what Luke decides to do. But as far as the other guys, I'm not really comfortable, you know, because I don't have a strong opinion. Sure. You know, I would take the over on Jerome Ford, 64 and a half yards rushing. He will pop a 50-yard run in this game. And so you would go more Ford versus Brian Robinson Jr. Yeah, Alabama just has not consistently run the ball this year. Like when they've been explosive offensively, it's been through the air. Right. Like this is why I like Cincy to make this a fourth quarter game because this is not the normal offensive line full of first round picks. They line up Najee Harris and that crew. You can't stop them. They're running down your throat. This just that hadn't been in Alabama this year. So because of that, anytime you depend on the passing game. Things have to go right. Right. Guys have to make the tough catches. The ball can't get tipped at the line of scrimmage on third down. The pass protection has to hold up. So it's a very it's it's much more difficult to be a passing team than it is a running team. And so I, I like Cincy in this matchup. I really do. And I love Jerome Ford, the kid. Went to Alabama out of high school, transferred back to Cincy, gets a chance to play old Saban and the crew. So I know he's fired up for that. Uh, you know, it feels like Desmond Ritter at two forty and a hook. It screams over, mm-hmm. but I guess what people are thinking is, well, if that front of Alabama dominates the smaller Bearcats, maybe Desmond Rizzer's running for his life a little bit too much and won't have enough time to really you know, get those chunks to get over 240 and a half. But I got to think, game script is more than likely they're behind. They're going to have to shoe the run at some point. He's going to have to chuck and duck. I would love to see what if they have a rushing prop for Desmond Ritter. If Cincinnati's going to win this game, he will have to be the best player on the field when Cincinnati's on offense. And part of that will be extending drives with his legs. Part of that will be being accurate in 
contested, tight windows on third down, which he's capable of doing both. He is, so we'll see. Uh, He's a kid that's gotten much better as the season has progressed. If you go back and watch the Indiana game, I mean, he probably was close to getting benched. But then if you watch later in the season, he's playing at a much higher level. And that's the part that worries you again, and I think Matt Hayes, that's what he was alluding to there. When you look at one of their biggest wins of the year, right, their two best wins were Indiana and and Notre Dame out of conference. Right. Right? And that Indiana game was life and death for them to get out. And they weren't even overly impressive against Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Right? That's so, a big win. That's Notre Dame's only loss in South Bend. Right, because if, yeah. if Notre Dame wins that game, they're in the college football right. playoffs. So that one game uh, made all the difference in the world. But you're right. They've got to play, and he's going to have to be a special player tomorrow in order for them to have a chance. And the thing is, he's capable of it. So we're not asking somebody to do something that they can't do. You know, to me, if it was JT Daniels, and he's got to be special, he's not, he's just not, he's not, he not an ability. Mm. You know, but Desmond has ability. There are some mock drafts that have him as a first-round selection. So... I think his performance in this game will go a long way to solidifying that draft prospectus, you know, one way or other. So we're going to see. He's capable. Will he do it? I don't know. We'll find out. All right. We'll come back. We'll break down some of the prop scenarios for Michigan and Georgia as well. Update right now in the Las Vegas Bowl. 14-3, to Wisconsin getting the football back. So that number's going to change. Right now, the live number, 19.5. It keeps going up. It is going up, 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 and away as the forks up right now, or forks down as they're punting the football away, and Jaden Daniel looks like he has no time to do anything, like a one-man band, one against 11 out there for Arizona State. So we'll see if they can get back in this ballgame. But again, when we come back, let's talk some Michigan-Georgia prop scenarios. It's the nightcap right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything in the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows and download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. Get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander and Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more like First Strike as well. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here in the Nightcap, Dave Ross alongside Sean King. Boy, we went to break. Scotty was looking good up 14-3. to I was just trying to sing the praises of Graham Mertz. And then, Sean, little pick. Arizona State now has got a third down there, at least in field goal range. So you see now the adjusted line is down to 15 and a half as they expect some points here from Forks Up. Right. And, you know, great job by the Wisconsin defense of getting us a third down. Hopefully they can keep them to a field goal. So my thing is when I have a favorite, I always like to stay comfortable. Okay. Right. Because so what are you laying? You're laying seven? I'm seven. I have seven. seven. Okay. So, field goal, we're still up eight. Now, right. score. You know, so everything's culture. Still where you want it to be. As I would say, Gucci. Everything's Gucci so far. <laughs> uh, they do need to put a spy on the quarterback, or he's going to obliterate them running the football. But he's got a fourth down now. I'm assuming Herb's gonna, Herb yeah. Edwards is going to settle for that. Herb's a conservative guy, old school. He's going to take the points. I mean, he knows that. Fourth and five. It may not seem like a lot now, but it could matter in the fourth quarter. I saw a lot of people, look, and, and teach their own. Everybody's got their own theories. We saw this early on in the Purdue game. They kicked three field goals in the second quarter. Remember they were down at one point, 21-7. Yep. Mm-hmm. 21-3. 21-3. Those field goals 
played a huge part in that comeback. Absolutely. To help them win the football game. You don't, so, chase, you don't chase points. Right. Just take the field goals. That's so, why they're available. And I think that that's smart, and that's what Herm Edwards just did. The field goal is good. So, again, 14-6, to six, creeping into creeping into creeping, 11 minutes to go here in the second quarter. But, again, Wisconsin on offense until that turnover uh, by Graham Mertz, they've really had their way with just those numbers now that the game has Switched when those numbers become available. We were talking national semifinals here, Sean. By the way, updating your hockey, is it still? Yeah, we had a three-on-two. They couldn't get a shot on goal. All right, we need Calgary yeah. for our quarterback to yeah. get a couple. I'd love to end the second period at least up one goal. Okay. Plenty Not, of time. Right. But we'd like to get one in, in getting the, in, the, uh, in the lead there to all right now in that game. We talked about Alabama, and we talked about Cincinnati and some of the prop scenarios there. Mm -hmm. Let's try to diagram what we think we're going to see in the other national semifinal, which is Michigan and Georgia. And on paper, it feels like, obviously, with a tighter line, it's the more competitive of the two games potentially here. But when you look at the game script, it's interesting because the number and the totals actually creeped up. Mm -hmm. So people are expecting more points than maybe initially a preflop. So already up to to 45 now. Michigan's still getting 7.5. That was up as high as 8.5. Cade McNamara. Prop, 188 and a hook. They don't expect a whole lot Mm -hmm. out of Cade against this Georgia defense. What do you make of that number? Is it too low in your opinion? I think it's about right. Um, You know, I think this is going to be a little different. If you look back to the Big Ten championship game, Michigan came out, their hair was down from the beginning. They were trying trick plays. I mean, double passes. Like, they They, they were loosey-goosey. I expect them to play this a lot closer to the vest, especially early. You know, because of the time in between games, Mm. Kirby and Jim want to see, are there any new wrinkles? Is there anything that is going to present itself that we didn't see on the film coming into the game? So I actually love the first quarter under probably because I think it's going to be a real fill-out session. And then once they get a grasp for what the opponent is trying to do to them, they'll get, you know, in my opinion, a little more aggressive. So Mm. Kate McNamara, if he throws for 188 yards and he completes 70% of his passes, converts – a couple third downs, they can win the game. That's very interesting. If I'm reading this right, I want to make sure that I do. The over-under in the first quarter is nine and a half. So, again. I, I would be very comfortable taking the under because I think they're gonna, it's going to be a real fill-out session because what Kirby also knows is Michigan has two first-round defensive linemen, potentially the first pick in the draft in Hutchinson, mm. but definitely two top-of-the-first-round defensive linemen. So, he's not going to expose Stetson, in my opinion, early. You know, to deep drops, you know, Take allowing him shots. to make a mistake early. Yeah, so, you know, I think when you think about that, it could be a very conservative first quarter of football. I remember, I'll show my age a little bit, I was at South, at South Beach when Stanford was getting ready to play the Orange Bowl mm-hmm. against Virginia Tech. Tyrod Taylor was a quarterback. Some guy named Andrew Luck was a quarterback. Yeah. So I'm hanging out with Coach Harbs and some other people. I know Dave Feldman and some other people that Feldy and Harbs went to high school together. We're probably six hours pre-kick. Uh-huh. People in hot tubs. Right. Not not the players, but just people. Players get in hot tubs. Before games? Yeah, it loosens you up. It's like stretching. Really? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it also makes you tired. Sean, he was as intense. And I'm like, Coach, you know, and he's like, yeah. You know, doing the thing with his hat, right? And shakes your hand in the eye. And I'm like, oh, he's ready for kickoff right. now. So I can't imagine a Michigan team tomorrow that is not prepared. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, they're going to be prepared. You said Kirby Smart has got all the pressure on him. Mm-hmm. I kind of see it the same way. I think I think Harbs is salivating for this matchup. Oh, you want to punch me in the face? We punch you in the face. Absolutely. So, I love your first quarter underplay here because I'm with you. It's going to be a rock fight. 
And Harbaugh will throw rocks all day if that's the way you want to play. Absolutely. And it's uh, if I'm a big boxing fan. Me too. So a lot of times when you see like a, a truly great matchup, the early rounds, the first two, three rounds, it's not a whole lot of action. They're trying to see, okay, let me get the timing. Let me get the rhythm. Okay, what is he trying? Okay, he's trying to counter me when I do this. And I think you have two elite head coaches that are going to be doing the same thing. Let me get in a couple different formations. How are they going to adjust to it? You know, what are they doing on third and short? Are they bringing pressure? You know, what zone coverage are they playing in third and long? So you're going to see a lot of information being gathered. And both have elite special teams. So I don't see a scenario where, you know, a kick gets returned for a touchdown. So I, I, I like the first quarter under to get started tomorrow in the Georgia-Michigan game. And to that game script, again, I'm not a big prop player, but I listen. And so, like, when I hear these things and I, I see that game script following what you're, you're – I'm picking up what you're putting down. I like Hassan Haskins here at 60 – what, 65 and a half right now, rushing yards for the day. That feels a little low to me, to be honest with you, because Harbaugh's not going to go away. Like, I, I know Quorum can break some stuff, too, there at 47 and a half. It's a great one-two punch. Haskins feels like a real revelation as the season's gone on. Do you think that number's too low? Because, again, I don't see – I don't care if they're down 10 nothing in the second quarter, per se – He's going to stick with the running game. And here's what's interesting. I'm not taking any of the Michigan rushing props just because of Jordan Davis. Now, Jordan Davis is the best defensive player, or most impactful defensive player in the country. He's a nose guard from Georgia. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if there's a team in college football that can line up and just really run the ball down Georgia's throat. And I think Michigan can move the football, throw some screens, some quick passing game, you know, some play action. But I don't know if this is going to be a scenario where – and Calgary scored. Yes. There we go. Yes. Appreciate all the energy. Can I get one more? Can I get one more? Yes. At least three, two before the yes, period at ends. Least. We got five minutes left. Okay. I'd love for another goal. Get some more breathing room. Back to what I was saying. I don't know if you can just line up and run the ball down Georgia's throat. We have not seen anyone do that. Even Alabama did not do that, especially if you don't have a running quarterback. Because and now, they don't. right, so now all of your zone read stuff, hey, if Kate McNamara want to pull the ball tomorrow, they will let him do it every time. Yeah, <laughs> no question. So what are we doing? Are we going to double with, with, the, with the guard and center and try to take away the Well, big the problem is, is the linebackers are really good. Oh. So the minute that you uh, Jordan occupies two offensive linemen, yeah. now you only have three left to block. Right. So you have three other defensive linemen. So now your linebackers, they're going to be shooting gaps. They're going to be scraping with speed. Like, so they, that front is an issue. Like, you almost have to figure out how to get them undisciplined by throwing screens, getting their eyes, you know, locked out of the backfield. Because, man, when they put their ears back and they come downhill now, you're not – it's tough trading. Now, again, kind of knowing Harbs' personality, mm-hmm. and we know – I don't know Kirby Smart intimately as far as his, his temperament goes. Calgary's on a power play, too. Good. Yes. All right. I just wonder, does Kirby get away from it before Harbs does? Because I feel like Harbs will go, he'll go square peg in a round hole well, and hammer this thing through. I think Kirby and Todd Munkin, who I know very well, he was a quarterback coach mm-hmm. in Tampa, you know, under uh, Dirk Cutter. Uh, they're not going to allow Stetson Bennett to lose the game early. Okay. So they'll do some things to get him confident, but they're not going to come out, just put the game in his hands. So th- they're going to run the ball. A lot of people don't know this, but Cook is Dalvin Cook's brother. Oh, yeah, James Cook. Yeah, that's his brother. So, uh, bloodlines. He's going to get his touches, like the tight end. And this is why, this is on a different tangent, but this is why Southern Cal fans are so excited. The freshman tight end from Georgia is from LA, Bryce Young. And the other 
college football semifinal game is from L.A. So they're hoping that Lincoln can keep all these kids home. But they're going to have some unique things to get the tight end involved, to get Cook involved, to get some movement and momentum going so that now we feel more comfortable allowing Stetson to really try and be aggressive down the field. Okay, very quickly, before we go to break, barring injury, any chance of a quarterback change for Georgia in mid-game? Oh, yeah. If he's turning the ball over, absolutely. All right. Like, this, this game not about feelings. This game was about the final. We, like Kirby's <laughs> going to win this game. Hey, Kirby can't get back on that bus, haven't lost another college football semifinal game. He won a raise. 14-6 to six right now here in the Las Vegas Bowl. Wisconsin on the move again. 3-2, though, more importantly, Calgary up right now on the Kraken as we try to utilize a power play and see if we can get Sean a two-goal lead before they get to intermission there. All right, talk much more, maybe some exactness of how we think the college football playoff is going to play out. Come on back. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. off a VEASAN all-access subscription for the rest of football season with our big game special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport in the schedule, including our exclusive betting split showing you where the money is going in every single game. Sign up today. You're also going to get our daily best bet emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide covering every single bowl game for only $39 at VEASAN.com. Slash subscribe. This is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Dave Ross alongside the quarterback, Sean King. And Sean, Wisconsin, 48 yards out. It is good. 17 to 6 right now. So, Wisconsin up 11 here. First half numbers that I saw, Arizona State was getting about 4.5. And and I believe the over-under was right around 23. So, obviously, we'll have to see if those are going to be adjusted here. So, getting more points maybe they expected here with almost six minutes to go. But I think if you're laying the four and a half in Wisconsin, you're still feeling pretty good because Arizona State looks like they just 
they're not really in jeopardy of giving up a touchdown, well, Wisconsin. I think they're so dependent on Jaden Daniels right now, and it's one-dimensional. He's had some success in the passing game. He's had some success scrambling, but not a lot of success traditional, conventional run game. So, you know, Wisconsin's a team, you know, they're, they're very good defensively. They're very complex in what they do. You know, they've been able to keep, you know, their defensive coordinator, even though he's gotten some opportunities to leave. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're well-versed in this, and uh, they're a hard team to come from behind against. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. But Paul Chris wants to see Graham Mertz, you know, be a little more consistent. Last couple of drives looked a little shaky, you know. So Arizona State hadn't given up yet. I don't feel completely comfortable with minus seven. Uh, I'd like a little more room. I, uh, when you had a favorite, you like touchdowns, not field goals. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll take being up 11. Yep. Up 11, six minutes to go. We'll keep you updated there. 3-2 Calgary. They did not convert in that five on three. Had a couple good opportunities. Yeah, they were, I hate, you know, again, Calgary's a defensive hockey team. So sometimes when they're on offense, they're not as aggressive. Like when I watch the Lightning, when I watch the Panthers, when I watch Knights, mm-hmm. like they have guys that are magic with the stick. Like they move the stick around. It's fluid. It's always moving. Calgary got a little bit to learn, but we're in a good spot. I said I'd take 3-2. That's what you wanted. At the end of the second, hopefully the fact this is a back-to-back, Kraken's legs a little tired in the third. We can get a couple goals and, and get out of here with a, at minimal, two-goal win by the Flames. Of course, there's always that empty net scenario, which you'll love right. when you're laying a goal and a half. Uh, let's talk about some exactas that we might see here for the college football playoff here Ooh. for the Final Four. And these are always interesting prop scenarios for me. Now, again, the favorite is still technically, it's actually Georgia mm-hmm. still, right? Even though technically they're the 2-3, right? right? Against Michigan and Bama with the 1-4 <clears throat> scenario against Cincinnati. So the shortest odds on the board is an all-SEC rematch with Georgia getting that win. Like, that surprises me. That George is still the favorite, even though one, they're the two seed, and two, they just got whipped by Alabama down there in the Sugar Bowl in the ATL. Does that surprise you that plus 175 is the shortest number on the board? Not Alabama beating Georgia, but Georgia beating Alabama. No, because I think it's hard to beat a team twice yep. in the same year. So I think they're factoring that into it. Um, everything kind of went right for Alabama in the SEC championship game from start to finish. I personally think that Michigan has a great chance to win the national championship. So I would be looking at the two Michigan exactos, one over Alabama, one over Cincinnati, 11 to 1 and 22 to 1. If you feel like I feel, then I think that's, you know, pretty good odds. I just think Michigan's the most complete team. And they're the team that has had success, is scoring big points, and are completely dependent on the quarterback offensively. Okay, so when you say, and that's interesting, if you want to play the exacta, right? And Matt Hayes, who we had on the first hour, said, look, Alabama's just not going to lose to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Covering might be another story. So if you like that, that scenario, 11-1 to 1 is what you would get Michigan to defeat Alabama as we workshop this, right? Mm-hmm. But what about here the scenario that Michigan, okay, if, what do you think the number is going to be if they do play Alabama in the national championship game? Are they going to be eight? Do we have a look-ahead number for, for that, Aaron? I, I believe. Oh, if it's Michigan-Alabama? Because I believe that number's probably, like, 11 to 1 is going to be better value, I think, than what it would be on game day here. What, you're probably going to get six, seven points. Um, seven, okay. So we're seeing, we'll have to see what that is. I, I'm assuming it's around a touchdown. Like, if it's Georgia, right, and Georgia technically right now is the favorite, mm-hmm. and they're only giving seven and a half, I got to imagine it's right around seven. I would imagine that. That that's where that's going to be. So the best value play if you really think Michigan's going to knock off 
uh, both SEC teams is to take the 11 away. Yeah, and I think when you look at that, the first thing you have to decide is, in your opinion, who you think is going to win the national championship. And then all of your exactors are with that team winning the, the actual championship game. And then you decide, you can play both if you want. You decide what the better odds, what the more likely scenario is, you know, and you roll with it. But I like Michigan. I'll have a money line bet on Michigan versus Georgia. I'll have the Michigan exacta mm-hmm. against both teams. And in the national championship game. So as I'll, long as they win, yeah. you're, you're good either way, which is that's a pretty smart way to go if you really believe Michigan can get this done tomorrow. Cincinnati obviously is the longest shot on the board here. Uh, to, to win the national championship by beating Georgia, it's 30 to 1. Beating Michigan, it's 50 to 1. I mean, my goodness. Are I mean, it can like- happen. They have a great defense. They have a solid, legit run game, and they have a first-round talent at quarterback. Now, the question is, does he play like a first-round talent in both games? The thing that gives me pause, they lack a dominant playmaker at the wide receiver position. They have big guys, but they're not the fastest. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're smaller guys haven't proven to be like next-level athletic, you know, as far as like taking a screen, going to the house. So, sure. They're going to have to put drives together to score points. Like, the most dynamic player they have is Jerome Ford. Now, he'll, he can pop a run. He popped one against Georgia last year. So, if they were just a little more explosive, like if David Bell from Purdue or so, if they boy, had a receiver boy. That, that I thought that highly of, I'd really, really be backing Cincinnati. But I do like them to cover the number versus Alabama. Not sure they can win two games back-to-back in this scenario. I look at it, too, and I see the Michigan defeating Alabama, basically running the gauntlet at 11-1 here. Uh, that, that, again, is the one that I think you and I think might be the most plausible for the upsets scenario. So mm-hmm. if it's not going to be Georgia or if it's going to be Alabama. Alabama, by the way, beating Georgia, if you want to go that route because you say it is difficult to beat a team twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they are going to pull that off and beat them twice, it would be plus 215. If we do get that, if chalk holds tomorrow and it's Bama against Georgia, what would Kirby Smart be able to do differently the second time around that he wasn't able to do in the, in the first time. Well, for one, they're not going to have Mechie. That's so he big. has one less established first-round weapon to deal with. Secondly, Stetson can't turn the ball over. You know, so I think what Kirby would do in a rematch is be more committed to running the football. You know, when I think the tight end gave Alabama a lot of trouble, especially mm-hmm. as the game wore on. So I think he'd be more involved early. But uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I think we've got exactly what we want, in my opinion, because I think the dog is live in both games. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. Yeah. I mean, these kids are playing for a national championship, but for us, it's entertainment. We want to see an exciting game. We want it to be intriguing, and I think you're going to get that in both contests. Very quickly, because I don't know where you stand on this necessarily. I certainly know where I stand. So are you an expansion guy? Do you want it? Absolutely, I'm an expansion guy, because I think the bowl games have become to the point where they don't matter. And so I'd rather see less bowls and a larger playoff and have it matter than all of these bowl games and teams are opting, guys are opting out, you know, coaches are moving around. You know, it completely changed the, land, the landscape as far as coaching. Because Brian Kelly's still at Notre Dame. Absolutely. They're, they're, in, they're in the playoff, yeah. It will completely change that dynamic. And that's something that I'm an advocate for. And uh, I, I, I don't know that, four now? I'd like all the conference champions to get in, so that's five. And then I'd like a minimum of three at-large berths. So power five's automatic bid? 
If you win the conference. You win the conference. Right. I think the conference champions should get in if you're going to expand it. Okay. And then three at large. Three at large, minimal. So then our debates begin at eight and nine. Right. But that's what that happens, right? right? Mm-hmm. So the, the debates, instead of four and five, they begin at eight and nine. Right. And you can say you have to automatically take the highest rated non-power five team. You could put something in there to make sure that, okay. you know, you, it didn't end up being so okay. So this year would have been Cincinnati. The SEC gets right, right, right. Right, four teams in. Okay. Right. And, I, you know, I, can, I could probably get on board with that. I've always been a guy of the good, the, the hard is what makes it good. Mm-hmm. And we've never had a year since we've begun the playoff system where we've said, oh, the wrong team won. I think we've had the best team each and every year win the college football playoffs. You know what we haven't had? What's that? We haven't had two semifinal games where one of the spreads was not double digits. Right. You're right. And, and that's kind so of the, every year. It seems like there's a, but a, that's what I kind of get it. Like a hanger on a fourth team. That, so we got to make Alabama's and Georgia's of the world win another game. Well, no, I think you put some teams in there that can really play. Okay. I think, know, for instance, if Utah is in an expanded college football playoff, they are a live them. dog. They are dangerous right now. We're getting close to the, uh, about, about two and a half minutes ago there. Wisconsin has the ball about the 45 yard line against 17 to six. So it looks good if you're a Wisconsin backer in the first half, and as Sean is for the entire game. Going to have Chris Andrews coming up at the top of the hour, talk all things NFL and the college football playoff and his new book. Come on back. It's the Nightcap here on Decent, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 